0: 10 o'clock chime. Bing! (laughs) It's almost here. (laughs) Good morning and praise God for you all being here coming through the snow and the slippery whatever back roads you had to get off of. The main roads are fine, right? It's the back roads. (laughs) Praise God. Let's go ahead and start with prayer today. Praise God. We love you and thank you, Lord, for this Sunday morning, Lord, where we get to worship you and come before the throne of God. And I thank you For each one that's here, for each one that's represented, pray that you would touch their heart, their spirit, their mind. Lord, let them feel your touch in this day, the word of God in their hearts, and we give you praise for everything you're going to do today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. So I'd like to have six volunteers to help serve the Lord by reading a scripture this morning. Kale. Would you like to be my helper and maybe those that raise their hand? Thank you so much. Wow, praise God. I figured if I said, for those of you that would like to serve, since our lesson today is on putting others first and serving, I thought that would be a nice segue into our lesson. And look at Brother, brother V is like pointing to all the people that want to serve. <laughs> praise God, she wants to serve. God is good. Yes, today we are continuing in our series, Kingdom Principles, and today's lesson is about putting others first, and I remember in Sunday school, um, actually it was Sister Ramona Regans that taught our children this, and the kids came home, and I was so excited because they had the acronym for JOY, Jesus first, others second, you third, and I was like, oh, how sweet they're getting it at this young age they could they could grasp it at this young age and I was praise God so for those that have scriptures let's go ahead and read those scriptures these scriptures are talking about serving who has James two fourteen? 14 thank you sis was more than a scripture. Thank you. But I cuz I gave her like a portion of scripture. Who has Colossians 3:23? Thank you, sis. Whatever you do, work heartily, as for the Lord and not for men. Right. Praise God. Who has 1 John 3:17? Nobody. Aunt Pat, do you have a scripture verse? Yes, please. Oh, thanks, Aunt Pat. Oh, that's okay. Wonderful. Oh, understood. Kale has glasses, and she can read really clearly. Go ahead, Kale. <laughs> okay. Matthew twenty-five thirty-five through 40. you know that verse right there if you remember a lady named Mother Teresa that was her key verse for life that was her key verse right there do unto others just you know as you do unto others you're doing it to the Lord who has Hebrews ten twenty four? thank you sis Oh, what a great verse. Galatians 5, chapter 5, 13 through 14. Thank you. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Praise God. For, for yep. the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Wow. Praise God. The these scriptures are really talking about putting others first. It's really easy for us to consider ourselves, because we live with ourselves. (laughs) We get up in the morning, we have things we need to do just to wake up, get ready, look presentable. Today, we're going to be talking about following Jesus as an example in our lives in serving others, and really, he was and is the best example that we could ever ask for, and I wanted to ask you today, can you think of someone that you know in your right now that you know someone who is constantly putting someone else first, even before themselves? You don't have to shout their name out, but you might think of somebody and know somebody that does that. And you know what? That person is obviously a very special person. They're considering other people even before themselves. it's a selfless act to consider someone else rather than being so selfish and consider yourself all the time. But that person, it takes some special attributes. So I wanted to ask today, what characteristics or attributes do you think someone who has a servant's heart would have? What are some of those things that they would have? Right off the bat, I think they'd have a humble spirit Right. To have empathy. Correct. Right. Selfless. Selfless. Kindness. Kindness. Loving. Loving. Well, it sounds a lot like the fruit of the spirit, doesn't it? (laughs) Was that? Patient. Patient. Right. Those are all things that a servant would have to have to have a servant's heart. The attitude of because it doesn't just happen it comes from somewhere inside and that servant's heart is from deep within and once you have received the gift of the holy ghost and you are now a part of the kingdom of god and you are his with his spirit dwelling in you there's something that happens when you see someone that needs help someone that is in need someone that is hurting And that's where all of these beautiful attributes and characteristics come in, the kindness, the patience, the empathy, just those things that we have to have in order to even, number one, step up to the plate and serve. Because you've got to have some stuff in your spiritual bank first before you can be a servant. So I know that we're all here for Sunday school, praise God, and I'm hoping that this Sunday school lesson will help each one of us know that it's something we have to actually think about doing cognitively and like rationally, like, yes, I'm going to serve others, but I have to be filled with something that is overflowing before I can give. What happens when you give and your bank is not full? You deplete yourself. And you are then in danger of becoming neglected, spiritually neglected, And you don't want to do that. We want to keep ourselves full of the Holy Ghost, in the Word of God, in in just loving Jesus Christ. Praise God. So our scripture verse today that we're going to look at first is found in Mark chapter 9, verses 33 through 37. And interestingly enough, we think of the, uh, the disciples as being superhuman beings. Like they were amazing, and they were, but they were human. And they made some mistakes and they had some bad attitudes that the Lord Himself had to correct. So here today we're gonna look at nine verses thirty-three, and it says this. They came to Capernaum when he was in the house. He asked them, What were you arguing about on the road? This is Jesus. What were you arguing about on the road? Arguing? He's talking about his disciples, but they kept quiet. Because on the way, they had argued about who was the greatest. Sitting down, Jesus called the 12 and said, If anyone wants to be first, he must be very last and the servant of all. Interesting. We're going to go to Mark 10, verses 43 and 45. And it says this, not so with you. Instead, whosoever wants to become greatest among you must be your servant. And whoso wants to be first must be servant of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, to give his life as a ransom for many. Praise God. We've got this beautiful picture (laughs) of some rebuke (laughs) his disciples were the disciples were arguing about who's going to be the greatest wow talk about not being spirit-filled at that moment Uh, mark 9 starts with the disciples they had so many exciting things happen in their lives with jesus christ they saw and witnessed the transfiguration in the beginning of mark 9 they had seen the demon-possessed boy be healed from jesus because they were not able to do that. And we'll get to that. And they wondered why they could not heal this boy with the demon spirit. And Jesus tells them that the Son of Man, he tells them that, you know what? The Son of Man will be betrayed. And he told them why they could not heal this demon-possessed boy. And then he went from there. And he said, you know what? That the Son of Man will die. And after three days, he will arise. They're listening to all this, right? And then they're, they have this conversation. Then they start wondering, well, who's going to be the greatest? <laughs> it's like it doesn't even segue to that. So what a conversation to have after all these incredible events and witnessing these things. It just shows the depravity of mankind and where we can get to in a place. It's interesting that they didn't answer the Lord. They remained silent because they knew in their hearts that they were wrong, that they were in sin and not right. Remember in the book of Genesis when Adam and Eve were in the garden, and the Lord's looking for them, and they didn't even answer God because they had sinned and they didn't want to talk about it, and they just wanted to hide. Um, sometimes when we sin, that's what we do. We just our mouth is, yep, nothing happening here. <laughs> we're not going to talk about. It. We're not going to talk about it to God. He knows he absolutely knows. Um, This um, pride is something that is the opposite of humility, is the opposite of serving. The word of God says in 1 John 2, 15 and 16, it talks about something called the pride of life. And this is what the Lord said, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. The pride of life is all about self. It's all about arrogance. It's all about self-promotion. It's all about greed. And I hope you're not. You might even know people that are like that. But it's a sin to God. He hates it. Um, Through history, history shows us that there have been so many great people that have done great things um, here on this planet, but not one has done the things that our Lord has done, that he took upon himself, humbled himself, and went to a cross for the sin of all the world. Praise God. We we come to church and we learn in Sunday school and we are in an adult Sunday school class about having a servant's heart when serving God and when serving others. And the world and it teaches us we we learn to love one another. Amen. We learn to care for one another. Thank you for our beautiful share groups. I call them my friendship group. <laughs> it's great. We learn to pray for one another. We learn to encourage one another, praise God. Help one another when help is needed. We, we counsel one another when counseling is needed. And we support one another. And always, always, these things are done in a blanket of beautiful love that we have that's overflowing from within, from what God has given us with his spirit. And it's a beautiful thing. Thank God that he was and, and still is the greatest example of serving. So before he actually went to the cross and died for our sins, he showed his disciples just a beautiful act of servant serving. Um, I thought, man, he could have done many things. He could have went for a nice long swim in a beautiful oasis somewhere. I don't know. You know, something I would want to do in a hot place. You know, just, you know, relax. But he was serving and teaching his disciples And what he did was he, I know it sounds kind of simple to us in a way, he washed their feet. But um, what he did was he took off his outer garment, he got the basin of water, got it ready, and he washed his disciples' feet. And I don't know if you've ever done a, a foot washing yourself, but there's something so humbling about washing someone's feet and praying for them and just loving them. And it's such an act of service that is... It's really it's really divine and it's it's a beautiful beautiful thing. When Jesus was walking on this earth, he was walking on the same roads that all the animals were walking on. So what does that look like? You could imagine. So when he washed their feet, their feet, their feet, he was washing off more than just regular dirt. And that job was the one that was given to, you hate to say the lowest of the servants in the house, but the lowliest or lowest of the servants. It would be like, I don't know what the lowest job in your house is. Perhaps it's taking out the trash. Perhaps it's cleaning your toilet. I don't know. Perhaps it's getting your dishes out of the way, cleaned up. But in their day, it was the one who was the the lowest, the least, the last person who came on board into the house they're the ones you get to wash the feet this act of service is where he humbled himself and it was a beautiful thing and from then he went to the cross philippians 2 verses 7 through 9 it tells us that jesus christ humbled himself even the death on the cross i don't know if any of you were listening to the radio this week on friday The KSRM was saying that it was Random Act of Kindness Day. Did anyone hear that on the radio? And I was like, I didn't even know there was a Random Act of Kindness Day. It sounds so biblical. (laughs) I was like, this is great. And I was thinking, when's the last time you personally did a Random Act of Kindness for somebody? And you don't have to share or raise your hand. But just think about it, you know. Um, When I grew up, I remember hearing stories about people would say that this or that person would give you the shirt off their back. And what that means is that they were such generous people that they would do anything and anything to help you at any time. They were just amazing with generosity. And serving others is that generosity. And Lonnie reminded me of... um, our pastor for many years, Brother Churchill, how it didn't matter what time it was, day, night, whenever, if you called that if you called him, there he, he would come help you in a heartbeat. He was available, he was for you, he was there, helping, serving, and for many decades, for many decades. Praise God. What a servant's heart, right? And we want to have a servant's heart yes. to serve God if we're serving God, we want to remember just that it, we're, obedient, we're being obedient to him when we serve him and we serve others. The servant in the traditional sense um, is one who cares for the needs of his master and the needs of others, generally in the same household or right in the area that he is responsible for. The servant's responsibility is to care for others. That's Period. I mean, serving others requires the servant to be humble. Have you ever felt like someone treated you like a servant? And you're like, okay. Sometimes it doesn't feel so great. Sometimes it feels like, okay. Servants must not be selfish in wanting to impress others. I'm certain there was dress codes. Uh... And maybe they didn't want to wear that dress code every day. Maybe they wanted to wear something that their master was wearing because maybe they wanted more. But they humbled themselves and worked and did their job the best they could. And being a servant means thinking of others, not only, but not for their interest because it's not about the servant's interests and what the servant wants. It's what the master wants. It's his interests. And so really this whole lesson could be about, I could say, humility. (laughs) Humility? So what is that? It's freedom from pride or arrogance. Well, I looked up arrogance. Arrogance means exaggerating or disposed to exaggerate one's own worth or importance often by an overbearing manner <sighs> that's arrogance god help us as called children of jesus christ that we treat other one another with love and respect and care and concern and kindness and patience all the good things that we want we want that in return too right you know remember growing up you one of those verses my mama wasn't in church but she said do unto others as you'd have them do unto you so i had this stream of do unto others as you'd have them do unto you even though she wasn't living for god i heard this and it's like it's tr- it works what you what you sow you will reap god's law of the harvest does not change what you sow in this lifetime you will reap And that goes for good, it goes for not so good. But the arrogant person has that attitude of superiority. And God help us not to have that attitude, to have a humble heart towards God and towards your brothers and sisters. Praise God. So the opposite, we talked about humility, is pride. And that's something we just have to, as as Christians, keep ourselves from pride. So we keep ourselves in a position or posture so we're, we're not filling ourselves up with arrogance and selfishness, but we're thinking about God and his desires and what he wants. And we're thanking him. And as we thank him, it's really hard to give God thanks for all of the things in our lives and just be so filled with pride and think, I did it all myself. Giving God thanks, giving Him thanks, giving Him glory, giving Him praise, giving Him thanks. And when you see, or your family members may be the ones that point it out to you, because that happens when you have a Holy Ghost filled family, they will point it out to you and they'll say, I think it's time, you know, that you get rid of some things in your life and make sure your relationship's right. And if it's pride that has to be rooted out of there and dug out with your little hoe, your little gardening hoe, dig, dig, dig. Get it out of there. Get it out of there. Because what that does, that that pride is a root. And that root will grow. And pride, in the we can see it throughout the Old Testament from the book of Genesis. When that pride started growing in the hearts of men, it turned to murder is what it turned to. It turns to the ugliest, grossest things and our spirit, we have to keep our spirits clean. We have to keep our hearts clean, our lives right with God, because we want that relationship, and we don't want anything to be in the middle of that relationship between us and God. God help us just to have that that time of daily repentance, that time of, Lord, if there is a seed of pride, and I'm so, I'm so selfish, help me, Lord, not to be so selfish. There's literally a dying world around us. They're our neighbors. They're the person at the grocery store. They're our friends. They're our family. And we have to do our best to serve. Praise God. Something else servants don't worry about is they don't worry about their status. They don't worry about how far up they are. They do their job. They do it well. They work. Um, They thank God for their master because their master blesses them with food and clothing and maybe even a weekend to the Oasis here and now and then. (laughs) They get blessed. They're blessed. Their lives are blessed. And servants have this ability to look beyond themselves where they're at right now and see the needs of other people. And I'm talking to the choir here because I'm talking to people that go beyond looking at the needs of others. And in our Pentecostal life this week, it used to be the Pentecostal Herald, so I have to remember, Pentecostal life it says, there was one or um, one article in there by Melanie, I believe, Reeve, no, Gleason. And she had said how she was at church, and a gentleman came in, and God told her something. She went back to the gentleman and just visited, but didn't tell him what God had told her. You can read the article. And so it, they grew this friendship, and he kept coming to church. But the whole gist of it at the very onset of the whole article is she said, are you willing to go across the aisle in your church to serve one of your brothers or sisters? We say, okay, God, if you call me to the mission field, I'll go. God, if you ask me to give this to whatever it is in church for missions, for the church, for whatever, I'll give. But are you willing to go across the aisle and meet your brother or sister's needs? I think this church is. Now, when we get into churches of multi-thousands, I don't know how many thousands of people, maybe it's not so that way. We are so blessed. We we are just so blessed. Proverbs 11.2 says, When pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. Praise God. Some wise things in Proverbs. Aren't you glad that God has given each one Each one of us have been given special gifts, and we have a special calling, each one of us, that God will use specifically for the kingdom of God and the furtherance of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if you haven't found it yet, ask God to show you where you fit in, because there is a definite place for everybody. It doesn't matter what your education is, where you've come from. And I used to think, man, I came from a really dysfunctional, nasty Um, alcoholic family and I did and I thought I and that haunt the the devil haunted me with that for so many years but you know what I'm so much more than where I came from in Jesus Christ because I've been born into a family praise God I have I have privilege I have position I have favor and the love of the king and that is you know what where I get my self-esteem from that is my self-esteem I no longer get it from my dysfunctional family. Praise God. Those dysfunctional relationships are no longer the ones that feed to give me my self-esteem. My self-esteem is in Jesus Christ. And once I got to that point, and once you get to that point, there's such power. There's such authority in knowing who you are and who you are in Jesus Christ. Praise God. Oh, that beautiful work. A few... um, Weeks ago, Lonnie and I were going to a coffee shop local in Soldatna. And as we were driving through, we ordered, we got our favorite coffee. And the lady said, It's no charge. The car ahead of you purchased your drinks. And I said, How did they do that? She goes, Well, I know what you guys generally order. So I told her how much it would be. And she just paid that much ahead. And you know what? We felt like we won the lottery. <laughs> I was like, Someone bought us coffee? So guess what yours truly did, you know, that week, a few times at a coffee shop and then at McDonald's. I was like, it it felt so good, and they didn't know me from Adam, and I don't care that they ever do. It just felt so good to do something for someone else, because the joy that we felt, it was just, it was almost silly. It was just so fun. It was fun. But Mark chapter 9, it ends with a stern warning from Jesus. He says, he says, salt is good. But if the salt has lost its saltiness, wherewith will it season it? Just like salt becomes worthless when it becomes flavorless, so the disciples had lost their flavor. Through their selfishness about arguing who's going to be the greatest, they were not able to make an impact on the people around them. Remember right before he, they asked this question, they had tried to... Um, with a demon-possessed boy, they tried to pray the demon out of the boy, and they weren't able to do it. I think they already had some self-arrogance going on before that even happened. And so when they got to that, the Lord said, these things cannot come out by much prayer and fasting. We have got to keep ourselves right in God's spirit, or else God help us. We can become just like the disciples. We use them as examples. Jesus used them as examples. And they weren't perfect people we're not perfect people we're going to make mistakes but god help us to keep always going back like david made so many mistakes right i mean he made big mistakes to the point of murder mistakes i mean big ones but you know what he always when he was wrong he went to god and said lord i admit my wrong and he felt like lower than the, the the dirt on the ground. And he would come back and say, God, he would be merciful unto me. And he would pretty much crawl back to God saying, I'm your servant again, Lord, forgive me. And we have to do that sometimes and many times in our lives. Yes. Praise God. The disciples were not acting at this time like followers of Christ. They weren't following the teaching because they weren't following in love the things that he was teaching them to do. They were aiming for position at the time. And Jesus said, he, he said, he he would be the one that would sacrifice. He was serving. He was selfless. But they were being very selfish. They were They were wanting to be the servant of all when they had the servant of all, Jesus Christ, in their midst. So what's so ironic about the whole conversation is that they had This argument right after they had failed to cast out the demon out of the child. (laughs) Come on. Like, you know, I don't know. How many here are on social media? Okay, I'll pray for you. No. (laughs) Just kidding. Um, So, how many of you know how many followers you have? Okay. Um, How many of you get notifications for your screen time per week? I do that. I get that. Yeah. Um, studies have proved that the mental health of some has declined due to the amount of time they spend online. Right? Then there is the fear of keeping up with the Joneses. And that's basically just trying to you know, keep up with the best of what everyone else has, the way they live, their lifestyle, their hobbies, what they do for recreation. But there is a fear in that. A fear of competition could produce a spirit of competition to take over one's soul, basically, so it can be corrupted. And so the disciples had lapsed into this unhealthy competition. So while they were discussing who was the greatest among them, and Jesus was right there, um, they were not as close to him and following as closely to what he was teaching. Because Jesus Christ is number one, and he was number one. And he responded, Jesus responded to their argument, and he said to them that they were supposed to be a servant of all. So he took the child, Jesus took the child in his arms to demonstrate this point, and he said to the disciples that if they could not learn to minister to a child They had no business to be debating who was going to be the greatest among themselves. For goodness sakes, right? Jesus, our Savior, took it upon himself to do the lowest of low tasks, washing the feet of the disciples. Um, Then he went to the cross, which was a form of torture and punishment that was reserved for the worst sinner. And he hung there, our Savior, blameless. In a servant of, of love. He was humbling himself in love. This world is really confused. It's really confused when it comes to rising to the top. People think that the further you get up the corporate ladder, the higher you are, the better off you are. Oh, life is great. The higher you climb, the higher better. There's nothing wrong with success, but remember where the success comes from. Remember who is first, putting God first, putting others first. God blesses us when we do that. Um, We are called to be like a child, and children know where their needs are met. Children know who they can go to for help. Children know that they can trust their parents or whoever is in authority over them. We need to know that we can go to Jesus Christ for our needs. For whatever that need may be. So I'd ask you today, is he still the savior of your heart? Are you still able to say, Lord, you are my, my, my savior and I will serve you? Praise God. Have you ever seen a group of children? And if some of you that are teachers, um, parents for play groups, one of the children gets hurt. More often than not, The children will just go around. They're like, "How? oh, no. Some of them will even cry. They're like so concerned, and they have such empathy and compassion. And they're like, what can we do to help? Let's help. The Lord wants us to be like children in that respect. When we see one of our brothers or sisters in need or hurting, or they need some compassion, they need someone to put their arm around them, love them, show them the love of Christ in flesh, you know, be that, hands and feet of Jesus Christ Um, we need to do that we need to be that we are loved by God and we are not loved for what we have accomplished what we can do we are not loved for what we can do to get up the corporate ladder to rise above whatever we think we need to do God help us Lord show us the value that we have in him the value that others have in him. It's precious. It's eternal. It's fabulous. Ephesians 6, the King James Version in verse 7 says, with good will, doing service as to the Lord and not to men. The New Living Translation says in Ephesians 6, 7, work with enthusiasm as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. How many of you grew up with that motto? Work for the work as though you're working for the Lord. And when you think about it during your workday, it makes you feel just a lot better. (laughs) It's good. It's just good. Matthew 25, 40 says, Verily I say unto you, Insomuch as ye have done unto the least of these my brethren, ye have done unto me. In other words, Jesus sees that the loving, caring behavior that we do for one another as if it were done directly to him. Praise God. So John and James, um, I, I have to kind of start winding down. John and James, um, they were the sons of Zebedee, and they came unto Jesus saying, Master, we, we would that thou, um, we're going to do whatever you want. And then he said, Grant to us that we may sit, one on your right hand and one on your left hand, in glory, in the glory. And for years and years, I always thought that these were people that were not disciples. They were just John and James, and they people that had the same names as the disciples. Because I could not imagine in my brain <laughs> that the disciples of Jesus Christ would ask this question to him after being with him and following him. They're the ones that left their fishing business They chose to follow Christ and leave everything behind. They were one of the core disciples, the inner circle. And here we have them being so stinking self-absorbed and so selfish, they're asking the Lord this crazy question. You know what? Our devotional guide talks about letting go of ego and that it's the enemy of our soul. Ego, the enemy of our soul. And putting others before yourself According to our flesh, um, doesn't seem altogether natural sometimes. But in God's economy, it's eternal. Think about it; it's everlasting. It's forever. To be selfish means to be focused on self, self, self. On the other hand, that self, selflessness is putting others before ourselves. And I like this. Pastor did say this, and I, I'm going to repeat it. It's not to think less of yourself, but to think of yourself less. He said so nicely. When you work at a, any job, pretty much, they'll ask you. They'll say this evaluation yearly. They want you to evaluate yourself and you give yourself a number and you grade yourself basically when's the last time each one of us have taken an evaluation where we said am i selfish or am i selfless what does my life look like if we look at our lives am i selfish or am i selfless and you know what it's sunday it's a good time to do an evaluation <laughs> think you know what you can and we're not putting cogs in a spiritual wheel. We're doing it out of a love, out of a love, the Holy Ghost love that's in our heart. When you give a gift, you don't expect anything in return. And isn't it beautiful to see the joy on the faces of those people that you give gifts to? Giving a gift of service is so much like that. You're not expecting anything in return. You're expecting just, just to bless them to let them maybe have a better life, maybe have a better day, whatever it takes. But when we do that through the Holy Ghost, things happen in the spirit world that we can never connect the dots. Praise God. We cannot connect the dots, but he can, and he does. And what he does in our, in our absence of knowing anything that he can and will do, he does such things in great timing with such greatness that we say, it could only have been the Lord. And it was God, we give him glory, and and we do that. We've been born into the family of God. Praise God. And each one of us have a place in that family. And being in a family is special. You have privileges. I think of um, with Pastor and Sister Glover, the Glovers here, Mike and Megan, they can go over to their parents' house and Knock on the door, and I'm here, Mom, Dad. I'm here. I'm here to visit. I've got the grandchildren. You know what? You have access. You have you have the ability to spend time with, and this is how we are. We have the ability to spend time with Him, to to long to be with Him, and that is our desire. There was um, I was thinking of a an old gospel song on the road here, and I now I'm thinking it was about eternity being our home and it's our home forever. It's one of those, like, this world is not our home. And I was thinking, this world is not our home. We have a hope. It's beyond this life. It's beyond what we can see or even imagine right now. But it's real. As real as we can see each other now, there is an eternal realm that there will be forever and ever and ever. Praise God. Perhaps that there are some things in your hand now that You've been caring, and you think, in order to serve someone else, I might need to put this down, because I can't serve someone else if I'm carrying this. So I don't know what that this is in your life or my life, but whatever it is, I would say today, I would urge you, give it to the Lord there's there are all there are altars in our lives, and I hope each one of you have an altar in your home, wherever that is. It's the place where you go to pray. It's the place where you go when you really need to touch God. You need to touch heaven. You're desperate. It's that place you go to. And I know where it is at my home, and my family knows where it is. It's that special place where you commune with God. But if you are carrying something, and you're not able to help someone else because it's, maybe it's a wound in your heart. Maybe it doesn't have to be something physical. Maybe it's a thought about something or someone or whatever it is. Maybe it's a pain you have, a hurt. I urge you today to give it to the Lord. He said, cast your cares upon me, for I careth for you. He cares, and he takes note of everything that we do when we give it to him. And he really, lay down, if it's pride, lay down selfishness. If it's arrogance, lay it down. The altar we have where we put things down and it's, it can be the saddest place sometimes but it can also be the joy, the most joyful place. That altar for myself and I'll just share this in closing as I come to a close is a place where if I go to that place and I am sorrowful and I can feel it in my spirit I don't leave there until I feel that that overwhelming peace that only God can give, that overwhelming peace where you've given it to Him, you've laid it out before Him, and you can't do anything more about it. You can't change the way they are or they're thinking or what the situation is, but He can. And you have this overwhelming peace that He gives you. And that's when you leave that altar. You say, Lord, Thank you. And that it works its way into thanksgiving. It works its way into joy. It works its way into worship. And you go through your day, your week, thanking God. Thanking God. Praise God. As we come to a close here, um, Jesus says it this way. No one is able to serve two masters. He'll either hate the one or he'll love the other. You know what? We have to choose that we're going to serve God and serve others Um, because it's not only a commandment, but it's, it's something that we get to do as children of God. Praise God. God bless you this Sunday morning as we celebrate Jesus Christ. Amen. Praise God.